The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm one with the force of forces with me. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast. This is episode number 173, recorded February 16th, 2023. My name is Joe Becker. I'm one half of the KyberCast team. The other half with us, as always, is... As Michael Diaz, that's me. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> Dude, listeners, all two of you. So, well, we, we have, have three Patreons. There's at least three. We, we've got one. No, we we, do. we have a lot of listeners. Uh, I want to make light of it. Um, we have what we think is one of the best episodes you're going to listen to uh, that we've done. Uh, we've already recorded our session with our special guest that you're going to hear in a bit. Her name is Heather Antos. She's an editor of... Uh, well, Michael, you, you, you know more about her than I do. So why don't you do a better introduction than me? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're talk today to the lovely charismatic, so much fun, Heather editor, Heather editor, Heather Antos. She is currently the senior editor at IDW. Uh, she works on uh, many comics there, including their entire Star Trek licensed comics. She's previously been an editor at both Valiant Entertainment and Marvel Comics, she was assistant editor on Star Wars when it launched. She was integral in the launch of creations in the Star Wars world, such as like Dr. Afra, Black Chrysanthemum. Uh, she was assistant editor on Deadpool for a while. And so she's also one of the co-creators of Gwenpool. I mean, her what bona fides in comics are impressive. She, Not to mention, she's a hell of a conversationalist. Well, you know, what what really got me? She's just inspiring, in that she sets her mind to do something, and she she has done it, and is going to do more. So, you know, I think this is uh, uh, the tip of the iceberg of what her career is going to be. Um, I could, I, I think she may get into film. I really do. I know she she may not right now, but I think she's going to be an expert storyteller. And I think there's there's she could go anywhere she wants if that's what her decision is. Anyways, you're going to hear that uh, coming up in a bit. Um, so we're super excited to bring that to you. So hopefully you stick around and listen to that because what we do is way more boring than, than what she talks about. So, but uh, there is some news out there, Michael, and let's start with that. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania has been released. Um, the public is starting to see it, but the critics have seen it already and the embargo has been lifted and it's been tanking on Rotten Tomatoes. It is at 48% right now. Uh, the few people that did see it from the theater, this is over 700, I think, on, on the the uh, editor, or the, editor the, the reviewer's side, the professionals. Um, that's not good. I think that might be worse than Eternals. Yeah, that doesn't bode well, but I don't know. Sometimes uh, things are critically dissed, but the audience loves them. Mm-hmm. So what are you, you going to do? I don't know. This is I. All I know is the trailers for me looked amazing, and now I'm starting to worry 
just yeah. because some of this feedback that all the awesomeness was in the trailers. I'm worried uh, in that Ant-Man is one of my favorite characters and I hope they do it. Well, like literally Paul Rudd pulled that, like nobody thought Ant-Man was going to be good, but that first movie is fantastic. And the second one's really good and him all throughout the Avengers and whatnot. I really hope it's good. I, you know, they, I know it gets into heavy science fiction and it really gets out there. So maybe that's really what it is. They were looking for something like the other Ant-Man and Ant-Man movies. And uh, maybe this is so different that they just weren't expecting it. Um, well, I, th- I think of immediately the last Jedi critics loved it. The audience did not. And then rise of Skywalker. The critics did not love it. The audience did. The audience kind of did. Okay, well, yes. Well, right now, I'm as we speak, now this will probably change by the time people listen. Uh, it is sitting at 48% on the tomato meter uh, with 211 reviews. But the audience score with 250 verified ratings is currently at 86%. So, so that's a good sign. That's a good sign. That's not like 10 yeah, people. The that's... Right, right, exactly. So it officially debuts. By the time everyone listens, it'll be out for us. It's tomorrow. I would like to see it this weekend myself. I'd like to. I don't know if it's going to happen, though. I'm not going to lie. I have, hope. I have I hope. hope. Hope is not a strategy, but we'll see. <laughs> Sometimes it's the only strategy you have. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so hopefully, you know, if it doesn't do well, do you think this could be the shark proverbially being jumped? Have we reached plateau with Marvel? Uh, well, I think uh, what jump on the sharks TV isn't the term for film. Nuke the fridge from Indiana nah, Jones. Not from, nah, that didn't hurt it. That was hurt before that. But um, oh, well, anyway, you know what? People have been talking about the death of Marvel films for probably half the number of films. Thrawn, this is what, the 31st film? Right. I don't know. If Thor and Love and Thunder didn't kill it, this movie can't kill it. Right. And I loved Thor, Love and Thunder, and I realized I'm in the minority there. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe next week I'll come to you with a whole other tune. I'll be like, holy cow, that was completely shit. I hope I don't. (laughs) I hope so, too. But I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say, you know? I hope so, too. Um. I'm going to skip the second one, Michael, because I think that's discussion time. I'm just going to jump to these other news things here. Uh, the Star Wars celebration is happening in London. You can go check that out at StarWars.com. Ewan McGregor's back. Hayden Christensen's back. Ian McDermott's back. There's a lot of people that are showing up there. Uh, I'm not going to get to London, sadly. But rumor has it they're <laughs> going to announce they're going to announce a uh, uh, a film plan good now i don't know when celebration is what let's see when is celebration they can announce whatever they want until anything goes into production i don't believe shit anymore (laughs) i'm sorry but rogue squadron wanted that movie so bad i don't think it's ever coming out i don't know about that i don't know that i think that's on uh I think it's on hold now. I don't think it's actually gone. I don't. I really don't. No, but it's a better sign than I thought we were going to have. You know, I thought it was gone. And and I don't think it is technically gone, gone yet. 
I think things are going to happen. Um, let's see. When is this? I'm trying to find it. You click on StarWars.com to find it. It just says Europe 2023. Yeah, thanks. Don't we want to know? So it's in April. It's in April. What I was getting at, what I was trying to find out is when does the uh, Indiana Jones movie come out? Of oh, this summer. So it's after April. So I, there's rumor also that's, you know, after Indiana Jones's release, Kathy Kennedy was going to set uh, step down. Um, so now I, I don't know if I do believe there's going to be a film thing. Um, set I, I got to ask this question. If you and, and Christian Hayden Christensen is going to be there, what chance do you think there's going to be an announcement of an Obi-Wan season two? I'd say that's 65% chance, maybe higher. Interesting number. 65. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's totally legit because I know it was labeled as a limited series. Oh, but right. They both said. Well, what's limited mean? Well, exactly. Well, everything's limited. Mean, true, true, but it, it goes with different ways they can classify it for different awards for the Emmys right. and whatnot. It's funny. So, if you go if you go to the celebration page in Star Wars, the last one of the in the mid midway down is uh, there's a I saw the words, uh, hello, what have we here? Oh and, Billy, my God. And, and Billy D is going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Michael? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know why that makes me laugh. Every time. <laughs> uh. um, anyways. I hope we get a film announcement. I really, really do. It, I, it, you know. And I, I love this, the the TV stuff, but I'm I'm really kind of jonesing for a Star Wars film that I can see at the theater and and, and really I dive want a into. Good Star Wars film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want give me Rogue One, you know, whatever. Put it back out in the theater. I need something. I take a reissue of Rogue, Rogue One. I'd go see that again. It'll be nice. Uh, okay, so we've got uh, sixty five trailer. That's the, is that the, uh, uh, I almost said Keanu, um, Adam, Adam, Adam driver, yeah. Adam driver's, uh, preview. Is that like land of the lost? What is that? You know, they show a spaceship, they saw it going through space and then it lands on earth 65 million years ago. It's kind of like, oh, is that what the word 65 is? It is earth yeah. 65 million. It's not a different planet. Yep. 65 millions. It, I think the tagline is like 65 million years ago when humans discovered earth. Hmm. So I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming they travel back in time and end up in the dinosaur time. That's at least what it seems to be in the trailer. We'll see, but uh, that's what it looks like. And that's the why it's called 65 Adam driver, the crash spaceship, a survivor, a cool looking space gun and T-Rex and other design dinosaurs. You know what? It looks better than dominion already. You think yeah, dominion was crap. Well, I'm sorry. Who takes a dinosaur movie and says, "You know what? This the film needs giant locusts." Uh, I didn't see the movie. That's, I, I, well, I, I, well, I have no desire to see it. Never did. Well, I, and, sorry, it looked bad from the get go. <laughs> I watched it literally because I was on a plane, and I was like, "Well, if I'm trapped here anyway, I'm not spending it in my own money. I'll watch it." <laughs> That's how I watched the last two Jurassic World movies, both on a plane. Um. If it would have been good enough, would you would you have rewatched it at home on a bigger screen? Because yes. that's okay. Is that the, the dinosaurs look cool? But the story is like seriously, who who does that? Says uh, let's take a dinosaur movie. You know the best part 
of a dinosaur movie is cool looking dinosaurs. And let's make the bad guy or the, the, the villain creatures fucking locusts. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. This is why you were taking off, taken off last Jedi. Yeah. I don't think that guy would have made it any better guy. Let's listen. Not last Jedi rise of Skywalker. Right. Last Jedi was always Ryan Johnson. I'm sorry. Um, you're, I mean, you're right. You're, you're right. The lies. My, I, I mean, you're right. Mr. I misspoke. But anyway. But, but yeah, there was no guarantee that guy was going to make a good fucking Star Wars movie. No, I, there's people that, oh, we read his script and it's weird. Yeah. You don't know. Script doesn't mean shit. Exactly. It's how it's filmed and what happens when. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm almost happier that after all he's done, this other director, what's his name? Uh, Colin Trevorrow. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm happier that. You know, your buddy did the did the movie instead of Colin Trevorrow. My buddy, your buddy, yeah, you love him. I don't love G.G. Abrams. Yeah, you I do. Don't. You do. Um. Anyways, they should have got Spielberg to do that last movie. What the Spielberg, fuck, Spielberg? Kennedy, Spielberg's what done. the fuck? Not not done as a director. He's doing amazing. No, but they should have. They should have. They just George. They should have got. Maybe he wouldn't have done it because of the whole George situation. But it would have been great if Spielberg would have done the last. Because he asked Stephen to do one of them, and Stephen didn't didn't have time at the time. Um, like he asked him to do Return of the Jedi, I believe. I said he got uh, Francois Marquand. Well, no, he got a fucking idiot. <coughs> Who they he basically they used his name, but. Lucas ended up doing most of it again. Yeah, anyway, Mark Juan? yes and no. If you know the, okay. the yeah, if yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know the story. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, what's the GOTG trailer? What is that? Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. God, it's been a long day. My, I focused on our interview, so my head's a little gone. Yeah, uh, what appears to be the final trailer of Guardians of the Galaxy. I have to say. I am convinced people are dying in this one. At least Drax. That's like, we know oh, that shit's happening. Drax, all in. He's dying. If Rocket is gone, I'll be pissed. Because you don't, all you need is a voice for that. There's no reason to take him out. Well, if he's done, he's done. You know? I, no. <laughs> no. I love Rocket too, but I, I there's going to be more than one death. Definitely Drax. Just the way, you know, even in this trailer, he turn, turns around and says, it's been a pleasure fighting by your side. Yeah. I would rather have Peter die than, than Rocket. I don't think Peter's going to die. But that's what I'm saying, though. I'd rather have Peter die than Rocket, if you're asking me about the characters. I I wouldn't be surprised if Rocket died. (sighs) Can't do it. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Peter died, because if anything... He's got to get him to the DC universe, right? I see him getting back together and dying, because that's tragic as a fuck. I see him. I see Peter dying so that he can go to DC and play. What, what's that one character? The guy who comes from the future and becomes a, a superhero. Gold? Yeah, I think he'd be perfect for that. And I don't even know anything about that character, but I feel like his. I think he could do it too. To tell you the truth, if I'm being honest, that'll be my pick. You've heard it here first or third, wherever. Oh, it's the internet. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that trailer looks. The movie looks fantastic. It, it looks, looks like good. It's going to be emotional as hell. I'm going to cry. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to cry. I think you won't be the only one. No. I think you'll be the only one. Yeah. So. Um, All right. Let's get to this trailer. The Flash. Oh, my God. 
I think it was on before the Super Bowl, right? We didn't talk about it last week, right? We did not. It, they, we did not. They they were buzzing about it. They put out some imagery, I think, uh, either Thursday or Friday, hyping that the trailer That's, was coming. The trailer didn't actually come out until, I think, Monday. Until the Super Bowl. Well, let me tell you something. God damn it. This looks like it might be the best DC movie made since, you know, for all of, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? This could be great. What now what? You know, could it really be so good that it, it perfectly does reset the universe? Could it be a great setup for James Gunn? I think so. It looks, this is, you're right. It looks like this could be the best DCU movie yet. Which is kind of ironic that they're going to use this one. Again, we don't know it's the best. It looks like the best. And if it turns out to be the best, and this is the one that resets the DCU, how ironic is that? I'll tell you what. I know. I really feel in my my mind that, you know, I'm not, we're not going to go through it frame by frame here, but the introduction of Kara in Supergirl, if this person nails it, I don't want them to change that character since it's a new person. Like, you know what I mean? In the next universe, like I don't know much about Supergirl, but it's usually like the blonde, whatever. This person looks amazing. I don't even know who the actress is. I didn't even look at it. I I was like, that just looks fucking cool. The outfit was cool. You know, it's not the the mini skirt thing. That's just, it just looked fucking cool as hell. My question is, how much of this was reshot? We exactly that's a great, great question, right? Because this movie was supposed to come out like a year, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Like I read it was really supposed to, you know, come out sometime during COVID and they pushed it back. I think the last release date was supposed to be like November of 2022. And then obviously that got pushed. Um and I remember seeing a preview for it, maybe like back in 2021. When they showed Barry, he was like a, like a dog groomer's. Right. And he runs through the glass and it kind of, you know, stretches around him and shatters. And it was all very cool. But I saw none of that in this trailer. I actually went back and found the trailer they showed uh, over a year ago. That when the did, movie was supposed to be. Just when they walked in Batman's cave, basically one with the, with the blanket on it, on the car. Yeah. Where, okay. So I watched that just to see how much of this they reshot. It looks like some of those same ideas are there and some of the same shots are there, but I really want to know how much they retooled this movie since when it first was written, maybe this was always what it's going to be. I mean, I know they obviously took out Henry Cavill. We, we, we've heard they've taken out Gal Gadot. Well, maybe Henry Cavill was taken out to put Kara in here. Maybe that was going to, whatever that role is in this movie. Maybe, Maybe they it switched it. Superman? Yeah. I don't know. Because if you, I, I urge you all to to go to this preview and pause it at, at 242 of 256 and you'll see it. Uh, she's flying next to uh, whatever ship that uh, long-haired Flash is in. And uh, that that's such it's a damn... Wing, isn't it? I don't know. Probably. And uh, it just it's just a great outfit, a great costume. Like, it looks great. Well, it looks like the Jonathan Kent costume. Yeah, I don't know what that is, so I like. I'm just an idiot when it comes. Oh, that's to, that's like, fine. Current the current Superman is Jonathan Kent, his son. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the the yeah. And that, if you look at his costume, is very very similar to that okay. current costume. Um, 
though I guess Clark Kent's coming back to be the Superman. It's comics. It's yeah. like wave, hand wavium. Um, all and, I'm, and, I, and I'm burying the lead. We'll get to the lead in a second of this preview. Well, I'm just like, I was surprised. Zod, isn't it? Yes. That's what, what that's what led me to believe that, that the Kara role was actually Henry Cavill. Let me say, Zod was probably one of the best things about Man of Steel. Michael Shannon is an amazing actor. When you believe a villain has a, a legitimate take, then then that's what makes all villains great. Like you understand why he's doing what he's doing. It's not right, but you understand it. Like I had seen him in many things before, but when I saw him in Man of Steel, I'm like, God, that was perfect. And I started paying more attention. He's a good actor. You, you watch that movie and then go watch a comedy like the night before. Yeah. Where he's in that as well. And all you can think is this guy is a phenomenal actor because there's no way those two guys are the same person. Yeah. Now he's George, he's George Jones on the Hulu Showtime uh, Tammy Wynette George Jones movie. <laughs> I want to check that out because that's how much like Michael Shannon now. He's yeah. that good. Michelle thinks he's just creepy looking and doesn't like looking at him. She doesn't so like So is Benedict Cumberbatch. The guys can fucking act. I don't care. I, well, Benedict's not creepy looking. No. I mean, Michelle's like, that guy's got a lazy eye. I can't look at him. <laughs> I thought he was scary as odd. Like he is scary as odd, one hundred percent. Intimidating motherfucker. He's serial killer, like in all aspects. Uh, so we buried the lead. We got to see Michael Keaton. Yeah, and we got him. They gave us in the preview, so you don't have to wait for it in the movie. My guess it might even be cut for the movie. Is the uh, I'm Batman. Yeah, I'm Batman. I loved it. Um, now I'm assuming that's the. Uh, Pure, um, Tim, Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Batman. Tim Burton universe. Like I don't know if it's art directed that way. You know what I mean? I, I'm assuming it's going to be. We also know that Ben Affleck is in it because they show him as as uh, Bruce Wayne. They showed uh, the bike, but it's not the same bike as the one that's in. In, it is uh, not the Bat Pod uh, from the Bale movies, no. But it's no, very it's similar. It's, it's very similar, but it's not. The Bat Pod was off the Batmobile, and it had two big Correct. wheels. This has two two wheels in the front, two wheels in the back of the bike. It's it is a bike alone. I'm assuming. Doesn't yeah. mean it's not Bale though. There's a possibility, dude. That was the first thing I thought too. I was like, I know they haven't said anything about it, and if they kept it a secret, they've done an amazing job of keeping a secret. Because now, are they ripping off Spider Man here with all these different Batman? I mean, is this a Batman movie? To be not fair, a Flash movie? This movie was written quite a while ago, so it's hard to say. This may have been written at the same time or before Spider Man. It's just taken this long to actually come out. So I'll give right. them a break there. That said, goddamn, it looks good. And if they bring Bale Batman in, all bets are off. I'm and in. even Ezra Ezra Miller, I mean, they look great in this. Esmeralda does look great. I just hope that they don't do anything stupid between now and the movie coming out to ruin any chance this movie doing well. And also, I don't want Esmeralda to hurt anyone. But <laughs> between your, now and then, get your shit right. Get your shit together, Ezra Miller, because this movie looks fantastic. It does, and I'm. I I I want to see this at the theater now. I'm not going to wait. Like I, I, you know, it needs to be w- within the first couple weeks. I'm hoping I can do that. This I'm is hoping. definitely 
I mean, I, I realized that the what, the first chapter of the uh, what of the new DCU is going to be the Superman film, right? Yeah. But we're years, at least a year or two away from 2025 at the earliest. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, how do you come out with this movie that looks like it's going to blow people's minds and then sit for two years? Well, you're not sitting for two years. You got Aquaman coming out. I understand. But as good as Aquaman, I I, I don't know. This movie just looks so good. It does. Not that I'm, I, I enjoyed the first Aquaman. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to enjoy the second. We'll see. But I mean, this could suck. I mean, the preview could just be great. We don't know. You know, you know, back to the whole Ant-Man thing. I've been hyped for this Ant-Man movie and now it's got a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> You're right. This could suck. They may have cut a fantastic trailer. Sony did that with Godzilla 25 years ago. I mean, that, there's different people that cut trailers together. So. Yeah. And sometimes it's scenes that aren't even in the movie. Right. Right, 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 right. So, right, right, right. All that said, I'm Batman. It looks great. Cool. All right. Let's jump into our geek this week. Uh, mine's pretty simple. I'm on uh, The Last of Us, which Michael can't even talk about, and uh, still reading that damn Lord of the Rings book. Uh, but Last of Us, damn, another good episode. Uh, the pacing of the show, the writing is so good. Um, it's more than just a zombie show, and, and, and um, this was a really interesting episode. Uh, but, you know, if Michael decides to watch it, um, Maybe we'll talk about it someday. <laughs> I want to watch it. I do. I want to watch it. Yeah. How about you? Well, I'm still stuck on Lone, Lone Wolf and Cub Volume 6, Lanterns for the Dead. That's I'm reading my geek stuff. Though, I will say this. Uh, Shaley and I, this is not geek related, but we did discover the show Hacks on HBO Max, which is about a stand-up comedian and in the twilight of her career who brings on a younger writer to help her with her act and it's hilarious but again not geeky so we'll move on from that cool hey you know we have a patreon page everybody out there please check it out at patreon.com slash kybercast uh maybe throw a buck a month would really help out the show uh keeps the lights on um we're not looking to be rich here but it is kind of nice to to not be in debt doing the show um, we're going to do this anyways, because uh, it's something that Michael and I love to do. But if you'd like to help us out, just go to Kybercast, or sorry, patreon.com slash Kybercast. All right. Without uh, any further waiting, here's Heather Antos. Hey, everybody. We've got a special guest this week that we owe so much uh, thanks to for incredible patience as Michael and I have dropped the ball several times trying to get her on the podcast. <laughs> um she is an editor, a story consultant, uh, has worked on many comics that a lot of people, I'm not a big comic, I'm not very good at comics, so that's, I'm glad Heather's here to teach us, us something, but we have Heather Antos here. Yay. Hey, that's me. Pause. Pause. <laughs> hey, guys. Heather, thank thanks you for having so me. much. Yeah, it's no, been, thanks so uh, much. <laughs> we've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> and we still are. <laughs> We still are. We still are. Um, but Heather, tell us a little bit, you know, the comic book people may know you, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the 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 real idiots that like my side of the podcast uh, may not know exactly who you are and what you do. Um, so just kind of give us a little introduction as to uh, what you who you are and what your life is like. 
You're assuming that I know who I am and what I do. That's well, you know, on the digital side. That's a challenge. Now, uh, yes, my name is Heather Antos. I am a comic book editor, most known for my work uh, launching the 2015 Marvel Star Wars line. Um, I'm also the co-creator of the character Gwenpool. And these days, you can mostly find me editing the other space sci-fi franchise uh, that shall not be named on this podcast. I feel like no, you can name it. We talk about it all the time. We talk about it. I I work on Star Trek now. I'm actually. I think the only editor that uh-huh. has oversaw Star Wars and Star Trek at the same time um, oh. for a brief, brief like three month period, but it did happen. Um, and yeah, I make comics. So do you? That's it. <laughs> who's who's running the uh, who's who publishes Star Trek? Michael's our Trekkie. Well, half Trekkie. Yes. IDW is publishing. IDW. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. At IDW. So maybe. Maybe, Heather, you can answer a quick argument that Michael and I had prior to sure. you coming on today. Uh, I don't think Michael's a real Trekkie because he's never seen the original series. That's okay. Oh, okay. See? Can you, can you, way can nicer you say, than I am. Can you say someone's not a Star Wars fan if they didn't see, you know, A New Hope? That was what I said. I go, let's just say Michael and I are aged in that. Uh-huh. He's had ample t- ample time to see said original. Uh-huh. Depends when you enter your fandom. If you came in as, let's say, at any entry point, let's say you started with the sequel series and, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, 12, right? Yeah. Then, then yeah, yes, you are a Star Trek fan Star or, or Star, Star Wars fan. Sorry. If you're of Michael's age, who's way up there and has had... <laughs> 25 years at least to catch up with the first right but also if you want if you really want to make this a competition (laughs) and you want to see how many more hours of star trek there are that exists over star wars it's a heck of a lot more star trek to catch up on like those those seasons you know like that first season is like 30 episodes and they're an hour long you know like it's and then there's how many seasons of of the original series right and then how many seasons of tng and how many seasons of like that's i i love it it's overwhelming like to when when i got the franchise uh when i when i got put on star trek i, I was like you know very overzealously i'm gonna do a rewatch canonically like from the very beginning and then i <laughs> I, I was reminded very quickly <laughs> how much dedication that is and i i watched like the first season of tos and i was just like i need to get caught up on the current stuff first and then we'll go back so um so to that i say uh you don't have to see everything to be a fan you just have to be a fan there you go joe fair i have been proved wrong by a professional and to be fair i mean i've watched every tng episode every deep space nine Almost every, uh, almost every Voyager episode, I think. So that's you can skip I've, Enterprise. It's okay. <laughs> I've tried to start Enterprise a few times. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why. It, it's a tough one. It's a tough it one. Is. And but uh, two of my two of my good friends just got married, and their first dance was to the Enterprise theme. So you know, wow. those are real truckies right there. That is true. My yeah. wife and I, when we got married. Uh, she had two boys, real young boys. So we became a family. But when we finished the uh, ceremony, when we turned around, 
the Imperial March played as we all walked back into. The- oh, nice! So that was funny. Um, so when you get a, a project like a Star Wars or a Star Trek, so now that you're on Star Trek, let's since that's fresh for you, how how much of the lore do you? Because you're you're responsible for editing and mm-hmm. writing as well. I don't know. I mean, that's the that's what I've learned about comics. But you, what, what, how do you get your knowledge to to begin, or what is where does your knowledge pick up and your expertise come in for editing? How do you marry that? Yeah, that's a very good question. Because um, there's a giant misconception out there that says you know to be the best editor, you have to like be an encyclopedia of knowledge right and and certainly having you know a passion and fandom for a certain franchise helps um but it can also i found be a hindrance sometimes if you're if you're overly dedicated and you know well this can't contradict x y and z because of reasons and this thing that happened 60 years ago that no one else remembers blah 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 blah, blah, blah right it's very easy to yeah. get caught in those rabbit holes and especially when you're working with um ip like like a star trek you know idw doesn't own that we answer to paramount and everything goes through paramount so literally every week i have a call where i sit with paramount and i go through every single piece of art that has come in that week and they look at it and give notes and you know they read all of our scripts and they you know we pitch the stories to them in the pub plan and you know it's it's a very hands-on process and it was the very same lucasfilm when when i worked on star wars um everything you know it's a very close-knit uh relationship and so you know my job as the editor is to make the very best star trek comic that i can um, but first and foremost, it's to make the, the very best comic that I can. Their job at Paramount is to make sure all the Star Trek of it all is accurate. And so, you know, there's certain things that, you know, I'm going to be looking out for um, just to, like, keep keep our sanity, you know? Right, you know, right, like right, right. Little things here and there. But when it comes to knowing the history of the character, like, you know, every single star date or every single you know, episode, um, that's not my job. Uh, it helps to know, you know, the things that I know, of course, obviously it helps make pitching a better story, but it's, I don't stress about that because that is literally, they're the net, they're the safety net for that. And that is their jobs. Um, my job is to tell a, tell a kick-ass story and sometimes be like, Hey guys, like, I need you to not be as beholden to, you know, right. what happened in this episode 40 years ago, because it's, you know, we have this really cool idea and, you know, reasons X, Y, and Z. So, um, so yeah, it, it's actually been really interesting because Star Wars, I was a super diehard fan. It's funny. I didn't realize I was as much of a Star Wars <laughs> until I got to Marvel, um, because I was just, my friend group was a giant Star Wars nerd friend group. And so I thought that was normal. And then when I get to Marvel, where it's a building of professional nerds, and I'm talking about, you know, the planetary systems and, you know, the the the, um, the Legends books and, you know, the original Thrawn trilogy and, like, all of this right. stuff. And, and these professional nerds are looking at me like I'm speaking Greek. That's, I'm like, oh, I'm that huh. person. Um, <laughs> but with Star Trek, I'm a much more casual fan. I grew up with the T, you know, I grew up with TNG and I watched that with my dad. And, you know, I saw the Kelvin movies in theaters, but I was never the deep dive. You know, I never read the novels. I never, 
um, watched the original motion picture until, you know, not, uh, not too long ago. And so it's Sorry. been, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, really... you, can, you can say it's boring because it... <laughs> but it's really no, interesting it, yeah. coming in you know from this angle because i get to come to it as a fresh fan and i think that makes working on the comics like i'm trying to make comics that i would find interesting and that comic fans who you know never really considered star trek as like a cool comic like how how can we do that and um, so I, I always view myself with the series as like test subject number one, um, uh, because if it doesn't make sense to me, then it's not going to make sense to someone who, who doesn't know anything about Star Trek. So, right, right. um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it, it absolutely does. It absolutely <laughs> does. Um, there's a couple things, right? So me coming into comics is it, it's, it's still, even now I walk into a comic store, a comic store and I'm fairly intimidated because there's so many sure. you know titles like how do you even begin there's 300 batman there's you know i don't even know what to follow or watch i haven't done it you know so even something uh, star trek can so this this what you're working on now can people jump right in or does did it have a beginning like how how does Absolutely. one enter that yeah you know absolutely i always as cliche as it is i always try to work on comics with the mentality is every comic is someone's first comic and oh, you know cool, yeah. regardless yeah and regardless of you know whether you're picking up a number seven or number one or number three thousand and whatever right a good story you should be able to pick it up and follow um i i often talk about it with uh with writers think about you know it's it's hard to do now because everything's streaming and so you can watch entire series sure, all right. at once but if you think about in the time of like syndicated television um or weekly releases right um you had to be able to remind people what happened last week yeah. and you know the who what where when why and we didn't always have the previously on you know whatever um, that wasn't always a thing. And so um, if you ever go back and watch like an episode of Friends or King of Queens yep. or Seinfeld or any of those, and every single time they come back from commercial and pay attention to the writing, all of the characters are named. Um, the relationships are established um, and you get a quick status quo of what's going on. And a, it, if you like think about it really hard, you're like, well, people don't actually talk like that. Right. But it's done right. so organically that we don't, you know, like, what do you mean, Joe, that we're on this podcast right now talking about star Wars? That's crazy. No one wants to hear what an editor's job is, but right there, it just gives you the status quo and exactly of what's going on in one sentence. Um, and it's, and it's such an easy thing to overlook, but you can quickly do that in comics and get people, you know, to, to pick it up. I used to do this thing where I would walk into a comic shop and just pick up a random comic, you know, just, just to read it and, and see. And there would be stories that I would pick up where I'm like, I can tell what is going on here is an interesting story but I could not tell you what the fuck that story is <laughs> because the basic information just, they're assuming you already know. Um, they're assuming, well, this is issue 22. So you're only reading, you know, you've read one through 21, which 
is fair, probably. Um, but you're also then losing out on me picking up issue 23 because I didn't understand what the fuck was going on with issue 22. Right. So that's how I approach my comics um, that I work on every single one, whether it's a creator owned or, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. Um, but, you know, um, I always say too, like, if you're interested in Star Trek, the, um, the cool thing about Star Trek is, you know, there's a Star Trek for everyone, I like to say, whether you're a fan of Voyager, Deep Space Nine, or TNG, or whatever, you know, um, and with our pub plan, our line right now, like, we have a series that takes place Deep Space Nine, we have a TNG series, we do have, you know, one that takes place um, in that window between Deep, Deep Space Nine and Nemesis, and, you know, we just announced yesterday a motion picture time frame one, oh. so <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot out there for everyone to check out. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it, you know, it's intimate, it's, it's intimidating to check out, you know, a comic series that's been on the stands for, you know, 20 years or whatever, but also not everyone started watching Game of Thrones with season one, right? Right, right. People did come on later on and you know, whether it's they watch an episode and then go back and watch everything or, you know, start at the beginning and read through, there's no wrong way to do it. Um, you know, it's it's just getting someone to crack open that first issue. That's really cool. Well, keeping in that, that comic book origin story, let's. Uh, I'd like to hear about your origin story. But before we get into that real quick, I think actually you and Joe have a connection you guys don't even know about. Oh, oh my. Okay. <laughs> uh, Heather, correct me if I'm wrong. You went to Eastern Michigan, didn't you? I did. Oh yeah, so did I. you graduate? Yeah, yeah. But we were ah. like, when I was there, it was like one schoolhouse. Uh huh. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> no. Um, great. We're, well, I was a Huron, so that, okay. that makes a difference. So I was I was the last year that Hurons existed at, okay. at Eastern Michigan. Well, before what, what, did did you study art or would you study there? Writing? Theater. Oh, theater. Nice. It was theater and film. Yeah. I had cla acting classes there for my um, uh, speech class. Very cool. Uh, so I went through there. Yeah. Ipsilani. Good old Ipsilani. Are you from so are you, uh, Yeah. Are you from Michigan? I am. I'm from Michigan originally. Yeah. Wow. So we had no idea when we set this thing up. I was like, wait a sec. She's, she's from Michigan? Mm -hmm. What? Uh, Where approximately. <laughs> Uh, Southwest, uh, so just off the coast of Lake Michigan is where I'm from originally. So, yeah. Awesome. Southwest, you like uh, St. Joe, that area? Close to, yeah, yeah, yeah. We played, okay. played St. Joe in high school. <laughs> no kidding. Well, it was a small world, but yeah. yeah. I like to hear a little bit more, like, I, I, I bring this up with sometimes in the podcast when we interview people. I'd like to hear your geek origin story. Like, when did you know? Like, what... what when did you know you were a geek too? When was I corrupted? Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't like kind of just always was part of my life. Like I don't have a clear, you know, and this is when I put on the cape, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like my, my mom would say I drew comics before I knew what comics were. Like I've always been mm -hmm. into storytelling and, um, you know, and I've been drawing my entire life and, and writing my entire life. And, you know, I was, uh, did drama club and, you know, uh, 
started playing D and D when I was 13. Um, you know, my favorite television show as a kid was the 1960s Batman, you know, at, uh, Adam West, but uh, oh, yeah. like that oh, was, yeah. you know, my, my parents, my dad and I really bonded over like Indiana Jones and James Bond. Like that, that was just always just part of my life. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if there ever was a definitive, That's I am a nerd. Yeah. Like we're, we're a hardcore board game family. You know, I have a closet here that's full of board games that I just had to reorganize <laughs> to fit them all that in. That begs the question, which one's your favorite? Oh my God. Which one's my favorite board game? I don't know. Right now. Not of all Right time. now. Right now. If you had to pick one or another, one right, right off the shelf right now. Uh, so uh, we got, at Christmas, I got the Cowboy Bebop board game. That was super fun. I really enjoyed that one. Um so I'll say that was the most favorite one I've played recently. But I did also get the American Psycho board game that I haven't got to play yet. And that seems really fun. And I very much want to play that. American Psycho board game? I didn't even know. Hell yeah. It's about having the bougiest <laughs> life and not getting caught killing people. Oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> having a reasonable $800 lunch and then having Absolutely. the right. At Dorsey, get the best reservations. Yeah. <laughs> We may need Getting that the right color of eggshell on your business card. That is a thing in the game. They have like For real. Oh yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You you like compare? It's essentially like uh, if you've ever played like euchre or anything where it's like tricks, right? You're getting tricks. It's, You're talking to people from Michigan, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, she's got to explain to the crowd because That's you know, our crowd is not all from Michigan. We've been, uh, we have yeah. listeners in Belgium, buddy. Yeah. So if you, but if you've ever played a card game where you're collecting tricks, um, it's kind of like that. And so, um, you know, if you have the best business card or if you have the best reservation or if you have the best suit or if you have the, you know, whatever, right? Like that's kind of how that game is played, which I think is fun. So, yeah. That's fantastic. So went to Eastern. Yes. Theater. Yes. How did you get into comics? Uh, well, I decided my last year of school, I didn't want to do theater or film anymore. I, I, <laughs> basically, that's the short of it. Um, that's I've the been, best time to make that decision. I oh think. my God, your last semester? Just be like, yeah, this is cool. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also apologize. I live next to a train, so you hear the train in the background. That's okay. I was um, worried. I heard the sirens. I was wondering if you were in a yeah. safe space, if you're okay. <laughs> oh yeah. There's also a fire station right around the corner. So there you go. Um... Anyways, so yeah, I I had always been into like geeky nerdy things my entire life, um, and like literally one of the first films I made in college was about LARPing in D and D. If that doesn't describe how nerdy I am, I don't know what else will. Um, <laughs> We're all the same here. Yes, uh, and I you know I just got I just got tired of doing the the actor thing and was like, well, I don't want to do any of that anymore. I don't know what I want to do. And one of my good friends who I solely credit my entire career to, uh, said to me, well, you like comics. Why don't you just do that? Wow. You, you know, <laughs> as if that's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Because it's this, just that simple. Just do that. Uh, and, you know, growing up in a small town in Michigan where when you're bored, you go to Walmart because that was the most fun thing you could think of to do. They didn't really have, you know, the writer of Batman come to your school on career day, right? Like, right. I didn't know really until that moment that, oh, yeah, people get paid to make these things. Um, and so I really just kind of 
started exploring the different career options or career pathways. I'd been doing reviews on various entertainment sites for like film and, and um, comic reviews and things like that. So like freelance writing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, already kind of had some very small, but network in the comics community. And I did what every good millennial did. And I started tweeting comic book editors Hey, what do what is what do you do? Will you talk to me? I'm curious because at the time, you know, I knew what a writer did, and I never, I wasn't really interested in, in doing that. And I, I obviously know what artists do, and and as much as I love to draw, I certainly did not. <laughs> that seemed like way too much hard work for me. Right. Um, and uh, but yeah, editors like I know what they do for a book, but in a comic, there's all these other moving parts and these weird like universes and multiverses and like what how how the hell what what is that job um and so that's how i met uh jordan white who was the editor at deadpool at the time and i tweeted him and turned out he was going to be at c2e2 i was going to be at c2e2 that year this was 2014 and um so he agreed to sit down and talk with me uh, about comic book editing and had a great conversation and i left that comic-con knowing this is it this is what i want to do um however i had already left college at that point um so i couldn't get an internship because most of your publishers in order to avoid paying you they need you to get college credit um and i wasn't about to just you know pack my bags and move across the country and the hopes that i'll get hired to do comics um so I decided to give myself my own internship and I put together a giant uh, comic anthology that I was going to self-publish, produce, edit. I was going to do everything to, to have a portfolio to prove I could make comics. Um, to this day, it is the best title I've ever come up with. I will never come up with a better title. It's called Unlawful Good, an Anthology of Crime. Uh- <laughs> that is a great title. That is a great title. Fantastic. Yeah. And it, it, uh, kind of blew up. Um, I got 17 short stories from 50 creators from all around the world in it. Um, put it together that summer, uh, was running a Kickstarter in the fall. Fast forward to October, six months later, I'm at New York comic con. I have this anthology, um, that was currently on Kickstarter and, Kickstarter knew the anthology. They had me speak on the panel there at New York Comic Con next to like Jimmy Palmiotti and like Ryan Brown and like all of these people that like I like you are real comic creators, right? And and you're having <laughs> <laughs> what I've never done this before. And but at that show, I ran into Jordan White again, and I was able to say, you know, look what I've done since the last time I saw you six months ago. And he said, you know, would you ever be interested in moving to New York? I said, 100%. One month later, uh, I was interviewing. And two months later, I moved out to New York and was an assistant editor at Marvel Comics. So that's That's amazing. That's my editor origin story. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, the nice thing was, it's like, okay, the good thing was, what was his, what was the gentleman's name on Deadpool? So he did a great, well, not a great, but he mentored somebody. He gave somebody advice. But you didn't fuck around. Yeah. yeah. Like like you took it and ran. And the next time he saw you, he's like, wow, this person is dedicated and is, is, is not fucking. So you made your destiny, which is amazing. 
but it was nice. It's nice that somebody gave you advice and took the time. So kudos to Twitter. Um, yeah. Now that Elon has it, I don't know. But we yeah. don't have to get into that. But at the end of the day, was that what a what an awesome, what a, what a sh- new yeah. age way to get there. That's for great. sure. No, and it, and it's it's you know that experience is why like I always you know especially if someone is looking like to learn more about editing, I always will sit and have a conversation with them um, and, you know, give them the same advice that I got. And, but, you know, initiative goes a long, long way. This is, you know, I mean, any creative industry is, is Mm -hmm. tough and you have to want it. And especially in comics when deadlines are just insane, you know, I don't want to have to be chasing you um no one wants to be chased right you know in that way and um so showing showing up and doing the work it it makes a difference and the the funny thing the the most interesting thing though is so a lot of times assistant editors are hired straight out of the intern pool right at publishers and i was hired when they were hiring like four four or five other assistant editors we came roughly in the same same window and everyone else came from that internship pool. Mm. When I was hired, I was the only one who had ever made a comic before. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting uh, that even though I didn't have that leg up foot in the door already, right. um, because I had done the work, because I had done that portfolio of myself, like I could you know, I had to learn the Marvel systems and obviously how they, they sure. did everything, but like I could make a comic. And um, I think having that experience and being able to, you know, as I say, be in the trenches with the creators themselves um, and know how grueling that process is, has really helped me in my career because, you know, there, there can be, and there's a lot of different editorial philosophies, but there can be a lot of editors who see themselves as like bosses who, you know, um, hit this deadline, draw it this way, do this thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I've always viewed it more, and this is the theater background, like it's a team sport. We're all in this together, right. you know. Um, it doesn't matter if the lead actor is sick or the you know stage manager is sick, like we all got to figure it out to, to put on the show um, and we got to work together to make that happen. So, yeah. That's funny, uh, or interesting because uh i'm a creative director for a, a brand um the wolverine brand it's a boop company um but it, it, over my career in the creative world of uh graphic design and that kind of stuff it took me you know a good few years to think to to understand that like i don't have to be the creative one all the time good creative can come from every anybody if you just keep your ears open and listen and, and not worrying about you know or at least for me like i have to figure everything out or be creative now. But if you're listening, like anybody can throw a spark or an idea. I think what, what happens if you, you know, to be a good creative director, any kind of uh, creator, it's understanding that that was a good idea. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where it came from. That's a good idea. And, and put your ego at check a bit to, to uh, which can be hard for me. I know, I'm, I know that, <laughs> but like, you know, checking one's <laughs> ego is, uh, it can be tough on the creative side because you want to be like, oh, I want to be, you know, George Lucas or whatever, um, you know, or Steve Jobs or whatever the hell, because, you know, with this, the attitude, but, uh, but it took me a while to get that. And it sounds like that's almost in the same realm when you're working on something like that, maybe. No, for sure. I mean, like, it's, uh, it's always important to have the end goal be the first thing in mind, right? And, 
Um, it doesn't matter how you achieve that. Like, I don't, you know, I didn't become an editor because I, <laughs> I wanted my name on the cover. Like, that's not at all why I'm in this. Like, I want it because I want to make good shit. And, you know, um, if good shit is being made by me literally, like, standing back and just letting you do your thing, awesome. If that's, you know, if it's more so me, like, playing therapist, story therapist with you and going back and forth, awesome, you know? Um, every project is different. And I, and, and I like that about comics. I like that literally every issue, every series, every experience is, is totally entirely different. Um, it makes it, you know, fun and, and challenging and, and no two days are ever the same. Can I, can I ask a, sorry, Michael, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I got to speak to that for a second because you wear a lot of hats. You're, you're senior editor at IDW. You do freelance editing. Uh, you're your own creative as well. Uh, you do commissions, you do your own art. How do you balance all those things creatively? Um, coffee, a lot of coffee. Um, I, a lot of coffee, a lot of, you know, I, and I don't have it all figured out, but yeah, a lot of trial and error and, and learning to be picky. Um, and I have definitely, earned a privilege of being able to say no and be picky in my career that not everyone gets to, right? Not everyone, you know, there, a lot of creators have to say yes to every job because they need, you know, they need the paycheck or they need the visibility or, you know, whatever. And I, I am very fortunate that I'm at a place in my career where I do get to be a little bit more choosy about what I, what I take on. But a lot of that does come from, um, and I actually teach creative project management workshops where I, where I bring this up. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you are the person in control of hiring, right. For your, for your creative teams. Um, and as a comic editor, you're never just working on one project, right. Um, at a publisher, your minimum probably working on, you know, six to eight projects at a time. I'm crazy. I'm usually working on 20 to 30 cause I'm a psychopath. Um, but I'm able to do that because I am very particular about the people I choose to collaborate with that. And what I mean is, you know, um, be wary of your problem children. I learned very early on at Marvel, um, people would hire writers that would constantly be late and pair them with artists that would constantly be late. That would then pair them with inkers that would constantly be late. And, you know, and and you're just setting yourself up for... And you have to wrangle them all together? And you have to wrangle them. And and you're constantly setting yourself up for failure or or just stress where you're in the office until 2 a.m. trying to put a book out on a Friday night. (laughs) It's not good for anyone. Um, and, And there would never be any consequences or never, like figure out any workarounds or all of these things. And so I came up with a personal rule for myself of I'm only allowed one, what I call problem child per book. Um, you know, if, if I, I don't want to have to be chasing five different people on, on a particular project, if I'm going to be chasing anyone, it's going to be, you know, one person max per project. But even then you have to like really decide is this person worth it? You know, right. Um, I don't work with assholes. That's, you know, I don't work with entitled egos. I don't, yeah, you know, it's too short. Life's too short. 
Yeah. Exactly. And like it's fucking comics, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like it's it's just well, it's comics. I have to I have to tell my assistant, I love my assistant dearly. Um, but she Vanessa, she's the best, but she before she worked in publishing, she literally interned at NASA. Um she's brilliant and then decided not to go in that route because, you know, also stressful yeah. in mental health, but literally, <laughs> literally, because she was in charge of doing uh, neurological sleep study stuff about like how long you sleep in space and how that affects. And like, so her work was literally life or death situations, like yeah. literally numbers that could, could right. mean life or death. And so I would have to have this conversation with her if she got something wrong or made a mistake or something was a little later or whatever. And I'm just like, it's just comics. Who cares? Yeah, it's Howard the Duck. Relax. Who cares that right? Like, oh my God, there was a typo. Who cares? Like, really? (laughs) It's interesting you you bring up you know egos and you know asshole creators. They're in every industry. Yeah, but it's interesting to me because there is a level of celebrity to comics, especially. But it's also kind of weird in that it's it's such a niche level of celebrity, right? It's not like you know, oh, there goes Brad Pitt down the street, right? Whereas, you know, there goes, uh, there goes Grant Morrison. I mean, Who's in the nineties when Rob Liefeld had his Levi commercial, he right. might. <laughs> uh, it is, it is really interesting. Both the internet, like things have sort of changed a little bit in that regard, because again, like, I mean, no comics person will ever be like a true A-list celebrity, you know, A-list, A-list, but like, um, with social media and with YouTube and with where your face can get out there more. Like I have been recognized in public before and not at a comic con. Um, like literally I went to Best Buy to get my computer fixed and I had to give my name. (laughs) And the guy was like, you know, he has that moment of recognition where he's trying to figure out where he knows me from and it dawned, it dawned on him that, like, oh, my God, you're Heather Anchos. Like, you're from comics. And uh, it's weird. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. That's awesome. Well, this, this, is why Ma- this is why Michael and I uh, don't put a video out because we actually want people to listen to our show. We, you know, our faces are not, not going to help. That <laughs> um, question, though, and I don't want to get too heady or too, too, too far in it, but I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Um, but can you tell us? If you want to, like, I would assume that there was a time where it was a really much a, a, an old guy's network in comics or or something like that. And I, in, in in listening to you and talking to you, you have incredible uh, fortitude or, and you want to make what you want to make. H- have you had stumbling blocks like uh, being a female and doing something like that? Um, I mean, I don't know those those quite. I, I want to ask because I want people to understand, like, it's probably not as easy as you think. Uh, yeah. the, sh- the short answer is. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, there will definitely be people who will say quality of work or, you know, you're, you're uh, too woke or changing things or, 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 yeah. or, you know, trying to make it anything but what it blatantly is. Right. And um, there was a point in my career where I had to decide whether or not I gave a shit, quite frankly. Right. Um, and it was either I let what people 
who have nothing to do with me or what I do. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I have to choose whether or not I listen to them or whether or not I let my work speak for itself. And, you know, I, <laughs> I have worked on literally some of the most best selling comics of the century. That's, you know, you should be proud of that. Yeah. Don't even enough, right. enough said, like, I don't, yeah. you, made, you made the right call. Yeah. So the reason, the reason, the only reason I ask you, you don't, you yeah. don't have to go any further than what you did is Michael has daughters. We have, uh, with, you know, women that listen to the show mm-hmm. that, that could take inspiration. And that's why I ask it. Cause yeah. we, you know, we have a lot of young people that listen to the show with, with people and I want them to, you know, hear a good story, a, a, sure. a positive, positive thing. So that, that's cool. You don't have to go any further than that. Um, quickly, how the sausage is made. Let's start with a comic, right? You have mm-hmm. a comic project. Is the editor like the director in a way? Because you're directing everybody around, or do you get? And then, and then, is it like we? Every comic is uh, twenty pages. Like there's a there's a standard comic, and I've got you've got Act One or Act One of this twenty pages has to end at page eight, and then eight of this is Act Two, and then ten to whatever. Can you get in a little bit into that? Sure. Yeah. Um. So I always equate uh comics editors as more like a showrunner. Um, oh, okay, great. Rather, rather than a um, a director, a director would be closer to like a writer and a cinematographer as your artist. That's that's sort of okay. the closest yep. comparison. Um, artist is like your cinematographer slash slash editor when it comes to film. Um, but yeah, so as an editor, my job is to you know it's like a Kevin Feige of it all almost, right? Like I'm not just overseeing one project; I'm overseeing multiple. A multitude of projects, especially in your IP world, yeah. right? If you're just doing creator-owned stuff, it's a little, it, it's a different, it's a different ball game. You're not necessarily coordinating, you know, crossovers or timelines to make sure between books everything's working out at the same time. It's just different muscles. But um, you know, I'm I'm overseeing a publishing plan. Literally today, I just uh, finished uh, a rough draft of a publishing plan for uh, 2024 and 2025 for Star Trek, for instance. Um, And I am sourcing ideas. I'm finding new creators. I'm casting talent. I'm overseeing schedules. I'm managing budgets. I'm managing, you know, previews. I'm editing scripts. I'm giving notes on layouts. I'm giving notes on covers. I'm, you know, receiving feedback from Paramount. I'm, you know, doing this all at once for, as I said earlier, you know, 20 to 30 different projects at a time. Um, So that's like, the very bare bones of it when it comes to your you know is act does act one in on eight pages i don't work that way there are some editors who do you know have their systems and their formulas of how you know they choose to edit their stories um there's no wrong way i i don't think you know everyone everyone has their system that works for themselves i know um, there's a, the Shelley Bond way. I know she likes to, um, she makes a chart when she edits her comics and sums up every single page in a sentence. And if she can't sum up a single page in a sentence and you know, there, there, there's too much going on there or it's not clear or, you know, whatever, um, things like that. Um, in general, I do have a few rules of thumb. I like to do when, when working on a story, when you're working on an issue one, um, issue one's a lot of people say issue one is your, is your toughest thing. I always say issue two is your hardest issue. 
because uh, issue two, you have to get them to come back to issue three. Issue one, you usually <laughs> need people to pick up to. Right. Um, and when I am reading a new comic, I always give it at least three issues before I decide whether or not to, to stick. To keep going. Yeah, to keep going. Um, issue three is where you see your drop off point usually because of how orders order cycle works. Um, issue four orders come in after issue one has come out. So you get to Ah. see see what sell through is, um, all fun comics, direct market stuff, but no, no, (laughs) it is a business. You have to eat, right? Like this stuff has to generate revenue. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I've always said, even when I taught, uh, classes at, uh, CCS, um, It's okay to be paid. You know, yeah. lawyers get paid like you're a professional. Yeah. The teacher I had in high school, he was awesome. Ed Hubert. If he's listening, Ed, he used to say, every time you put that pencil down, Joe, that's a quarter. And don't forget it. Like you're getting, you, sh- you, you are, you are a professional and you should be, you should hold yourself at high regard, you know? So don't, don't be taken advantage of. So don't feel, I would, I wouldn't want any artist to feel bad about getting money. You, you know, that's oh, the yeah. game. That's what, that's how we live. We're not going to get a pig or a chicken. It's not, that's just the, how the, our economy <laughs> is anymore. So. No, for sure. But yeah, I always say like the important thing when you're doing an, an issue one is, you know, you have what is your, your uh, high concept, right? The big, the big hook, your marketing hook. Right. Um, and, and, like whether that is uh, so-and-so is framed for killing their grandmother, right? That's that's a cat fight, which is a book that I'm editing that just got announced last week. Um, Don't and give any spoilers. No, I won't. I won't. That's a, that's a high concept is Felix is being framed for the murder of his grandmother who runs this crime syndicate. And... Um, you know, a lot of times less experienced writers will end page 20 or page 22, depending on how many pages your comic is, but they'll end issue one with, and see, he's framed for the murder of his grandma. Right. And like, Oh my gosh. We know though, like we, that's why we picked up this comic and that's not a bad ending quote unquote per se. Like, like you gave them exactly what they came to see. Um, but that's like someone ordering a steak, right. Without any seasoning on it. Um, or, or you order a cupcake and you did get the cupcake, but there wasn't any frosting and like, you can't really complain because you did get the cupcake, but like, there's nothing that's making you, Oh my God, I have to come back to see what happens. Right. 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 Um, and so I always say, you know, you can't just give us what we ordered. You do have to like surprise us to make us want to come back you know what's what's not necessarily the twist but what is the the added element of of um you know what's the b plot what's what's the other story that's going on um, so it's like it's like comic books have taught netflix how to get you to get to the next yeah, episode <laughs> exactly what is that what is that last little well, bit that's like well, oh my but gosh that's, but that's exactly it right because in comics um it's not Oh, you get a next episode right away. It's right. You got to get us to come back in a month to pick it up. At uh, least. Right. At least. Right. And if it's not on your pull list, which please, 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 if you read comics, please put books on your pull list. It helps orders. Please, please, please. Yeah. But we, I've done that. Yep. If you don't, right? Like you have to get that, keep that person like, oh shit, right. That comic. I want to read that, which is hard. Yeah. yeah I think one of the best at it, ever 
is Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. When he did Why the Last Man, I want to say at least the first 24, 30 issues ended on a cliffhanger every single issue. I don't know how he did it. He comes from TV. That's why he's... That's true. That is true. He did come from TV. But he comes from TV and he... Brian K. Vaughn masters the cliffhanger in a way that is... It's so impressive. I remember when I was reading... Um, oh my God, I forgot that Paper Girls, when I was reading Paper Girls, oh, it, was yeah. the same, it was the same thing where every single issue, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like, I need to find out, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but in a good way, not in a bad, not in a lost way. Right. Where I'm just like, this makes no sense. <laughs> right. But the funny thing is he actually wrote on Lost for a little while too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, he, but he, and you know, you know, it was coming, but he'd always surprise you. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, how did he do that? So that's fantastic. So I would be remiss if I don't get in some Star Wars, because that's who I am. And I, I think I gave Star Trek a ton of its due at the beginning. <laughs> um, so for me, uh, oddly, the first comic book series that I was into for Star Wars was Dr. Aphra. And totally yes, geeked on Dr. Aphra. You worked with, with Star I, I, I don't know any everything that you edited, so I apologize uh, on the Star Wars front. Um, did you work on any of that? Dr. Afra? Yeah. She she's my baby. I love this. I, I, I knew have, that. I, I have a whole shelf back here of the girls that I helped bring to life. See, no, the, it, it helps to be an idiot sometimes to, to oh, pull I a shelf like this I off. I love it. No, yeah, she I was part of her first appearance. Um all credit to to Kieran Gillen and Sava La Roca. Um she debuted in Dress Vader number 3. Um mm-hmm. and truly truly is just Dr. Afra is probably the most Kieran Gillen character I've ever right? <laughs> read from him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I was there since her inception. Um, I love her dearly. I was probably her biggest uh, fan on social media, you know, out there. But like she, t- she took off. Like I remember when that, issue, I remember when that issue came out Stores were all like already calling us and, and telling us like we're sold out and it's already on eBay like being flipped for you know however much because um, also it was she was one of the first post legends new characters right yep. to to hit print and so um, thank God like she she was also a good character <laughs> and awesome liked character. because of that but yeah no I I you know even biases aside like she's fu- she fucking rocks I love her to death um she's actually reminds me a lot of a character i i had a star wars tabletop campaign that i played in for six years um all throughout college where i was a a a droid tech specialist i wasn't you know i didn't have jedi powers and i had droids that followed me around in battle and was a bit of a you know not necessarily a good person and so when when she came along it was a character i definitely resonated with myself and and to have just like this tough no-nonsense autonomous woman you know kicking it with darth vader <laughs> like yeah. how badass was that and holding but, her but own a, yeah but a, oh, great, yeah. A, but a great character is a great character that's what's great about it. like it doesn't matter what who thing whatever they are like it, it's such a great character great story now you worked. I assume you worked with the story group and Pablo Hidalgo and all. You don't have to, you know. Tell me. But I'm going to ask, and you don't have to answer if you're under some kind of embargo. Do you think we'll see her in live action? Um, so I know nothing about okay. 
uh, and any like when Black Crusan, who's another character right. that I helped, yep. um, helped uh, bring to life um, when he showed up in, in Book of Boba Fett. Like I had no idea he was. Did coming. you flip? Did you just flip out? I cried. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you posted on social media yeah. when he, that episode came out. Yeah. I was like, yes, that's awesome. Yeah, I it was so funny because if, if anyone follows me online, you know I'm not the biggest book, uh, Boba Fett fan um, myself. If you love Boba Fett, great, awesome, I'm happy. As for a character you. or the show, you mean? As a character, okay, um, gotcha. just just not you know he's he's a costume, not a character. That's my personal uh, take. No, we've talked about it like, here. It's like he he really is nothing but yeah. a myth, and everybody yeah. made their own. Everybody made their own. And that's in, great, and I, Canada, which is great, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. But anyways, when when Black Sand showed up on Book of Boba Fett, I like I tweeted because I didn't want to be spoilery to people who hadn't seen the show. But I said something of like, I never thought an episode of Boba Fett would make me cry in the way that this one did. And like someone responded, oh, my God, me too. That moment at the end with the Jedi tree or like whatever. And I'm just like, you and I watched two very different episodes. (laughs) But that leads that that, having Chrysanthemum in there says that to me says that that you have to have that for something. It's only a matter of time. Um, It 100 percent only is a matter of time. I you know, she's appearing in the mobile games right now. Um, you know, the droids are in there, Black Sand, you know, it, it, I know it's only a matter of time. Even when I was still at Marvel, they had like the animation team were asking for, Mm. for stuff, you know, I don't, again, who, I don't know, you know, what anything's, uh, leading to, but the only thing that I can think of that might be why we haven't seen her yet is because she is one of the few characters that has a very dedicated fandom right now that we don't know her fate. We don't know what happens to her. Right. And, and right now her stories are coming out in between ESB and um, return of the Jedi. And so for her to show up in, in book of Boba Fett, well that auto- automatically means she survives through this time period. Yeah, um, right. And there are so few characters in Star Wars lore that actually can have legitimate stakes, right? If Luke shows up in anything, well, we know what happens with him. We know what right. happens with Leia. We know what happens with Han. Right? Don't like how he would happen to Luke the way it was written, but but it, but, it, but, it but we know but we know we have an end game on that. Yep, exactly. And so she, I think they're they're being very protective of her, which I think is smart. Smart. Um. So yeah, I I'm very curious though, because again, like I said, it's it is only a matter of time before she shows up or is referenced to in, in some canonical way in the live action. And I like the way I couldn't handle Blacker Sand showing up, like I I told my partner, I was like, I'm gonna need like a day to like really process <laughs> what well, happens if she shows up. Not to pull away from Star Wars, but Damn you. We did just see a, a Deadpool casting for Same a young thing. woman. Yeah, I know. Who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know. She might be Gwen. I could see it. I I don't know. I I will. If that happens, I will die. I will literally die if, if that's <laughs> well, Gwenpool. It, it almost seems obvious only because, you know, it's Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He's going to play with the multiverse. And what better character Gwenpool or any version of Gwen Stacy in the multiverse well, to tie it all in. And 
there the issues that Deadpool and her did show up in together they were fighting each other it wasn't they weren't working together and they're saying she's a villain and like she was kind of a villain in there so I'm like if we're going comic book continuity also I do want to say the last Deadpool comic that I edited was Deadpool Old Man Logan so I'm also kind of hoping that they're pulling from that for this too I don't know I just hope Deadpool 3 is the Heather Anto show I'm just just so let's say it does come out and let's say it comes out in that in that premiere can't you throw you a bone like send you to the premiere like we know like do you have any connections like that like come on no. Marvel, who famously plays pays writers three hundred dollars per episode, a character that they created shows up in. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Ed Brubaker wasn't even invited to the uh, premiere of uh, yep. Falcon and Winter Soldier, and he got paid more for his cameo appearance in it than he got paid for the making a movie based off of a character he created. So you know, exactly. Marvel's great. It is the Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Had to invite him and get him on the list so that way he could be at the premiere. So wow. not not that we're going to turn this into the you know, no, this I, Marvel show. But. I, will, I will say this though, I you know, sadly, I never really paid attention to the, to the creators in comic books, and I feel like an ass. Like so now you've changed everything for me when I look at it. Like I want to learn these names of the people that do it so that you can talk about them, so that you can, so people like you can get like the creator side of it. So it's not just a Marvel sticker and yeah. some fake entity comes out and creates it out of nothing it, yeah. or, or whatever. It doesn't be Marvel. It could be I, whatever, whatever comic book company. Um, so it's well, important now, uh, you know, that's why, you know, whether you, you know, I don't care what your response was to the James Gunn announcements for DC that happened a couple of weeks ago, you know, whether you love them or hate them, who cares? But I don't know yet. He's got to prove it yet. But the exciting thing about what, what gave me hope about that announcement is he credited the comic book creators Um, in that announcement and he like pointed people like this run by these creators like you know he pointed out frank miller or you know and he pointed out quietly and he pointed out you know like he 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 listed these runs and these creators and he gave them props which no one does and it was very very cool to see because that was easily the most watched video that day on the internet easily well the other thing that was interesting about that which I don't understand why some of these bigger conglomerates don't do, is when you give props to the creators, Authority sold out mm-hmm. on Amazon. Supergirl sold out mm-hmm. on Amazon immediately. Yeah. That's so Supergirl looks amazing. Sales. <laughs> right, exactly. Why can't you, I mean, they're obviously using these comics as an IP generator for the yeah. films, but let's not look at them as loss leaders, and not that they are, but I'm just saying... Let's get money across the board. Let's get people in the shops buying the comics as it well. for sure. And showing it up at the theater, right? As a side note, that Flash trailer, I want to see it because of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything drawn that way or done that way. Um, and again, because I'm not in uh, follow all the comics, but that Supergirl looks badass. Yeah. Like, like awesome. Um, so we know we, we set an hour, so I don't want, your time is precious. You've got 30 billion things going on, so I want to make sure that we're good. Um what are you watching right now? Do you have time? What, what's the fun thing? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I'm watching Last of Us right now, like the rest of the world. It's so. No, no this guy here hasn't touched it. So don't worry. What? Oh, only because my partner can't do horror. You can watch so. things. You're your own person. I understand. But I, I, I believe me, I do a lot of my own consumption. So I will find the time to watch okay. it. I just, 
I can only do it when she's not around because even no, I get it. I I, I completely completely <laughs> totally. I'm gonna give him shit. You know, I'm still gonna give him shit. Like I still haven't watched the fourth season of Stranger Things because oh, you can skip you? that. <laughs> oh, we I started it and we got like an episode in. She's like, nope. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure, for sure. But also, you can. It's fine. Yeah. Last wait. of Us though. Last of Us is just excellent television. Like it truly is. It's it's brilliant. So that and then. Um, so this is the thing with my job being ingrained in story and plot and arc and character all day long is it's really, really hard to sit down and just watch something carefree and without being critical and without being super critical. And especially if something is not good or is lazy, like avatar, sorry. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard for me. And so, um, that's why Last of Us is such a treat because it's so good. So what I really love is my guilty pleasure is trashy reality dating television. I watch all of them. Uh, the Bachelor <laughs> is a religious experience in my household every Monday at 8 p.m. Uh, Married at First Sight every Wednesday. We literally were in the middle of watching the new Netflix show, The Perfect Match. Thanks, Nick Lachey, for that one uh, before I logged on to this podcast. So if it's a if it's a dating reality television show, we watch it in this household. <laughs> awesome that's cool well just as joe said we don't want to take up too much of your time but now that we know what you like to watch uh what do you what do you want to plug oh yes um uh star trek comics obviously uh go check them out uh this summer uh star trek is doing its first ever comic book summer event crossover called day of blood um it is definitely not what you think of when you think of Star Trek in a very good, fun, exciting mm. way. If you've never read a Star Trek comic in your life, that doesn't matter. You can definitely pick this up and enjoy it. Um, so Star Trek number one uh, came out last October from Jackson and Lansing, Colin Kelly and Ramon Rosanis. Um, issue four just came out. So it's still very early. You can pick them up, check them out. Um, and next month we're kicking off the sister series star trek defiant um by chris cantwell and on how um so those two will be building up to the summer crossover um and it's very exciting and i hope you check them out cool Fantastic. and how can people follow you um if you want if you want them to in the yeah yeah <laughs> well only online please in person yeah, yeah that's weird. that's what i mean yeah <laughs> It's weird. Uh, no, uh, so you can follow me at, at Heather Antos on all of the things. It's just my name. Um, pretty simple. And say hi. Cool. Awesome. Can't thank you enough for, uh-huh. for joining us. Um, I learned this a ton. Fantastic. I learned yeah, a no, ton this was fun. Uh, I would love to come back anytime. Oh, sweet. We will have you back because I have so much Star Wars to talk about with you. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll wait at least six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait that one. We'll, we'll wait at least six months, but then it'll take us another two months to actually get there, a schedule. There you right. go. There you go. Oh, Just yeah, wait yeah, until exactly. after I move. Just let me get in. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with all, with all that uh, with all that stuff. Um, yeah. It's been uh, a, a true treasure to have you here today. I really, really appreciate it. For sure. So have have fun and get that uh, all all those uh, documents signed, and you'll be you'll be fine. Oh my god! I know <laughs> we're 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 past inspection, and now it's just them to fix the shit they said they're gonna fix. <laughs> so it's all yeah, it is. It's, it's all gonna be good. Trust me, it's, it's gonna yep. be good. Cool. 
Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. We'll see you. Wow. That was, uh, for me, was one of the best. I mean, that was so much fun. She was fantastic. Just fantastic. She's inspiring, man. We told her an hour. I could have sat and talked to her all night long. Easily could have done two hours, no doubt. I, I mean, I have so much Star Wars stuff I want to talk to her about. And, and she did say, like, we could we could talk to her again. Um, so we didn't really make her angry, which is great, because I thought, idiot me, asking a few questions that uh, I just didn't know certain things. So um, very patient with me. So thanks to uh, Heather for being patient with this uh, comic book idiot. She like she enjoyed it. She said she wanted to come back. Whether or not yeah. she does, we'll see. But that, she will. seriously, that, that felt less like an interview and more just, three geeks being geeks and having a conversation. I, I loved it. it so much it's fun. the first time I felt, look, we are older, but it was still the same realm, which was really nice, you know, uh, in terms of age and geekness. And we're all in the same mindset. She was just awesome. She's just great. And inspiration, like the work that she does, the, to put herself where she needs to be. And I, like I said, I could see her going really far, um, Farther than she is now. I mean, not, she is far, but you know what I mean? Like, I think she's uh, amazing and she's um, an inspiration to people, an inspiration to people that, that want to do what they want to do. Like, if you're into comics, like, it can be done, folks. I mean, it can be done no matter who you are, what you are. Like, go go do it if you want to do it. Um, I've she's proven daydreamed it. about being a comic book writer for 20 years. What's stopping you, man? And, Did it. Well, that's self-doubt, my own self-doubt in myself and my own abilities and then right fear man that's how i am on stuff i want to do fear i i'm right there with you and here's someone that just said i'm gonna do this and fucking just did it and the way she got there is not the traditional approach but who fucking cares she did it and she did it her way on her terms you're right inspirational is the best way to put it imagine the people she's gonna usher in when she gives back when she has time to mentor and do that she's gonna be an institution in the comic well, that's book the world thing too. Yeah. She doesn't sound like the kind of person like, this is how I get in. Fuck all your rest of you. Even what she said in the interview, you know, she's going to be lifting people up. Yeah. I, it was, like I said, a fantastic interview. And once again, repeating myself, inspirational. I hope she comes back again. Me too. And I hope everybody listened to uh, the interview and enjoyed it. Um, but tell us what you think, Michael, how can they do that? Well, you can let us know on either Twitter or Instagram at KyberCast or if Facebook is more your jam at the KyberCast. And something we don't usually pimp, uh, you can mail us, email us at KyberCast at Gmail. Try that too if that's more your style. We, ha- we haven't pimped that in I don't think in a long no, time. No, not in a while. Email. We're old people. Maybe you're old. Email. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, you know what? If you want to follow Heather Antos, you can find her at most of the social medias at Heather Antos. Um, so check her out there. Just to, I know she said it in her interview, but I'm going to make sure that you heard it one more time. Um, if you want to help out the show, the best way to do that is to smash that subscribe button from your favorite podcatcher. Tell your friends about the show and let them know that they can find us at pretty much any podcatcher that's out there. Um, or send them to kybercast.com where all of our episodes are streaming. And, um, you know, next week we've got uh, Picard to talk about, Michael. I watched the, I'm almost done with the first episode, but we'll have episodes one and two for next week. Bad Batch to catch up on. So we've got some content coming next week. 
Um, any 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 quick thoughts on Picard? Like we can leave him hanging. I I learned from Heather that if you leave a little bit at the end of the comic book, it gets you to the next episode. So what do you what do you got there for Picard? Uh, well, your you first the first episode, but it's okay. But you're, yeah, but just give a little bit taste. of a cliffhanger to bring you back to episode two. I'll just say that. But but anything like I'm going to say this just to get the ball rolling. Some of the worst ship CGI I've ever seen in my life is on this first episode. Oh, we'll get more into that. Yeah, but you'll find I will out. I'll say this: it does seem like they kind of wiped the slate clean of uh, season two, and like, yeah, that happen. was shit. Let's uh, that didn't happen. Let's do something better. Yeah, it didn't happen. Cool. All right. Until next week, this is the way. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation, anyway.